Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Cue the accordion. I've always wanted to say that. Kick back and get comfy while hosts Heather Wenig and her co-hosts from the Early Childhood Nerd Collective explore ways to cause and effect. Dig that funky accordion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cause and Effect. This is Heather Burns. I'm that early childhood nerd. And today I have uh, one of my bonus kids joining me again. We've got Pat Stefaniak. Say hi. Hi. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He did an episode with me a while ago and we decided to talk some more. Um, Will you tell everybody a little bit about what you do? Yeah, so I, yeah, I moved to New York not that long ago from Indiana, and it was a long art. time ago. Yeah, it feels like it was a long time ago. <laughs> um, and I do art stuff and video game stuff, and yeah, kind of all over the place. <laughs> what you call your BFA? My art stuff, my video yeah. game stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, so we're gonna talk about art. Um, I'm going to read the quote, but then I'll ask you, Patrick, to tell me about where it came from and who it came from. Yeah. Yeah? All right. So the quote is, to deny the child that experience, parentheses of art making, would be to thwart a means of speech and communication as instinctive as speech itself. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So what's so, that from? So that was from Mark Rothko, who is a painter, uh, like... I guess in the early to mid 1900s uh, like post World War II type of deal um, <laughs> yeah uh, and it was it's in this book that's just it's like a bunch of notes kind of that he had written about I guess he did a lot of teaching uh-huh. of children doing art and so these are just like a bunch of notes he had written down they weren't really compiled like he had never seemed to mean for them to be like published but that's why it's called Scribble Book, maybe? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, and I thought it was great because, uh, you know, it's setting up talking about children and, like, art is important, communication is important, um, you know, being able... Yeah, and that that's like not just important, but it's like necessary. Sure. Yeah. The, but like, just the word "instinctive" was really powerful. Yeah. In the quote for me, that um, that art is is an instinctive form of communication that we all have. So I want to talk for a minute about the dilemma, if that's the right word, of art in early childhood programs. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that that come to mind. Um, first of all, it's sort of expensive to have lots and varied kinds of art media um, available all the time for yeah. children. Um, and I get that childcare places aren't typically, um, you know, making a whole lot of money. Right. <laughs> um, um, but what I what I see as a continuing struggle, having been doing this for almost three decades now um, is people mistaking crafts 
for art projects or for or, or thinking in terms of art projects rather than art as a process. Yeah. Um, so and and I've certainly done it in my early days in the classroom um where I was more concerned that some, that whatever we were doing looked like something or fit a theme um yeah. or they followed my directions and I I'm not sure why it's so hard to step out of that. Um so so can you can you speak to art as a process as opposed to a project that you're doing? Is that something you did I consider yeah. on you? Yeah, and I think it's also like I wanted to talk about too, like uh, the the like I think that setting up craft as this thing that's like uh, very like set in stone about how to do it and the like result uh-huh. is maybe also not a good thing to think about because then you're like art is good and craft is bad. Which oh, is, sure. like, obviously not true, you know, because, like, I, I doubt that you sit there, like, weaving all day thinking that, like, oh, this is stupid, like. <laughs> <laughs> That's know. true. I mean, there are, yeah. so I, I knit and I crochet and I weave and I've been doing all kinds of weird other crafts right now. And there are people who do that kind of stuff who call themselves fiber artists. Yeah. And I don't call myself a fiber artist. Like, I have a pattern. I'm following a pattern. I have an end product in mind. Yeah. And and yeah, you're right. We're not saying that there's never a place for that, but it's different from art. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that like one of the big differences is like I think you can like have like you could have a craft process and like maybe the difference is that you don't like where you end up is not as important as like, you know, you're not trying to come up with an end product that's like oh, all the stitches are perfect and like neat and like it's usable as something like I think the art part is letting something go wrong and then just kind of going with it or you know just experimenting yeah um well I think in in both when you're talking about craft and when you're talking about art you use the word process yeah I think that's important too to think about and this is sort of a buzzword in early childhood process versus product art Mm -hmm. and pro and um so for me, what I would love to see every child have uh, access and opportunity for every day that they're in an early childhood program is um, some familiar mark-making kinds of materials, yeah. whether that's markers or crayons or whatever, um, stuff that actually works and isn't just there because it's on our checklist. You know, markers very rarely work right. in early childhood classrooms. <laughs> um, but also that they would sometimes get brand new stuff. Um, and that they would have, you know, access to messy things and things that are hard to manage sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I know that that is a a hurdle for some people. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think too, that like, if you like really, for whatever reason, can't get rid of the impulse to like, just let them do whatever they want. Like you can also teach skills, like you could teach some sort of craft like skill but then like like when it comes time for them to do things on their own just like let them go mm-hmm. and like not try to like step in and tell them like oh like you know like oh like this is how it's supposed to be done you know like yeah. you're doing this wrong mm. you know so so can you talk more about cuz you used the phrase a little bit ago letting something go wrong as yeah. being part of the art process will you talk more about the value of that yeah, because I think that uh, definitely when I'm making things, I like I don't 
if something happens, if I do something that's, like, wrong for some reason, like, you know, oh, I drew this line weird, or, I like, if I'm programming something, like, oh, I programmed something the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Like, usually something strange happens, and I'm like, oh, this is actually interesting, and I can, like, build off of that and kind of let that stay there as something weird that happened and, like, helped it grow in a strange way instead of, like... Being like, oh wait, I need to go back and fix this, and do, like that was wrong, and like that means I like what I my body did was wrong, and then like you just kind of like correcting yourself, <laughs> and I think that when we try to like put that on other people, especially when you're like a teacher with young children, uh-huh. it's like such a, like a powerful position to like step in and say like, oh no, like what you just did with your hands to like express yourself was wrong. Yeah. Like, that was incorrect. Yeah, so I'm I'm doing um, a work... I'm working on a series of blog posts that's going to sort of focus on different early childhood theorists and looking at stuff we do in childcare programs, typically, and how they match up and how they don't match. Um, oh, my gosh, I just totally forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> what did you just say? Oh, power. You were talking about power. Yeah, power. <laughs> So, so one of the big big tasks, so if we're talking about three to five-year-olds right now, so let's pretend that's what we've been talking about. I don't okay. know what age you're talking about, but if we're talking about three to five-year-olds, one of their major developmental tasks, according to Eric Erickson and his stages of man, is figuring out um, initiative versus self-doubt, and a big piece of that is... Um, acting out on your ideas and then you learn whether you're a person whose ideas are valued and good and worth following or whether you're a person who is shamed for having those ideas and I think there's probably well maybe it's an exaggeration to say nowhere that that's more powerful than in an art process yeah um so I, I think um I sort of hadn't made that connection until you started talking about the power yeah dynamic in that yeah, and I think that it ties in, like, um, back to talking about communication. I think that ties in so much with how um, we view art just in general. Like, that we, so if we think about art as communication, uh-huh. then I guess we tend to presume that there's some sort of message that the artist is trying to say. So, yeah. like, like, the common way to think of something is, like, oh, the artist felt something or they thought something they like somehow put it into what they're doing and then now i see it and then i understand it uh-huh. so which so, oh go ahead oh yeah as i say which i think like and a lot of times that works and you can see it and like obviously that's like completely valid way uh-huh. of interpreting art but i think that what happens a lot with like when people encounter things like modern art or, like, children's art, uh-huh. is that that's not the case, is that that wasn't the goal, or, you know, yeah, probably it just wasn't the goal of the artist uh-huh. to, like, communicate a specific thing that then the viewer will understand, like, oh, this is what it's about. <coughs> yeah. And so then, when we don't understand it, then it kind of turns into this, like, oh, why didn't I understand what this was about? Right. And then that either turns, you like, the blame on yourself, like, oh... I just don't get it. Like, I am, I don't know enough about art. <laughs> like, something like that. Yeah. Or you turn it on the blame of, like, 
art or the artist. You're like, oh, art is stupid. Right. This so person wasteful. doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this person's just bad at art. <laughs> and I think that's another, like, powerful position to be in with the, like, child is, like, you're mm-hmm. saying, like, oh, I should be able to get some sort of meaning out of what you just, like, drew on this piece of paper, but I don't, so now yeah. it's bad. Right. Because my and interpretation of it. Most of us don't value what we don't understand. Yeah. So so I think that that crosses over into a lot of different places, but so what you just made me think of is we talk we talk a lot with early childhood teachers about not just saying, "Oh, good job. That's pretty. I like your picture." Mm-hmm. Um and trying to go deeper. But yeah. uh, what what you just said made me wonder. So we ask things like what were you thinking when you made that? Or tell me about how you did that. Or tell me why you chose that color. But if a child's just, I'm sort of asking for your opinion on this. If a child's yeah. just experimenting with a process or a material and we say, what were you thinking or what does that mean? And for them, it didn't really mean anything. Is that discouraging for them? Or is that, do you think? Yeah, I think that's definitely like confusing because it's yeah. like, I mean, whether, like, however much, like, conscious thought they put into it, like, maybe they just, like, happened to be what they grabbed and did. Mm -hmm. Maybe there was some sort of, like, you know, feeling they had. They're like, oh, like, for whatever reason, I'm attracted to this tool, and, like, I decided to do it this way. But then, like, asking them to verbalize it when, like... You know, like, uh-huh. people, you know, in art school have trouble doing that. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's a really difficult thing to have to do. So then, yeah. like, when they have trouble verbalizing it, then, like, it might cause some sort of tension. And they like, right. might be like, oh, well, maybe I should do something that I can Right, maybe explain. there's something wrong with me because I can't explain that, that, yeah. that process or whatever. Yeah, and it's, you've probably heard this story. I think I've probably told it on the podcast before, but... Um, in terms of, of power and the impact that we can have on children when they're working with art. When I was in third grade, um, we were supposed to draw a Christmas picture. Like, I think it was just uh. a really general. And um, we used colored pencils. And I drew Mary, Jesus, and Joseph in the manger. Uh. But I didn't know what a manger was. I thought it was a cave. So I drew, <laughs> I drew them in a cave, just this big uh-huh. brown arch over them. And then I colored the whole sky blue behind the cave. But I colored up and down instead uh-huh. of back and forth. And my teacher lost her mind. And wow. she was like, everybody knows that you don't color <laughs> up and down. And now <laughs> it looks like it's raining on Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I yeah. spent years feeling like I wasn't creative. Right. Those, like, weird things. Like, I have things like that, too, from when I started doing stuff. Like, well, actually forever when I was in school and, like, had to have art like uh-huh. little things like that stick with you for a long time because yeah. it's just like a little it's like really embarrassing and like like oh like sorry I didn't like yeah. I guess like I'm like you know you're just wrong right yeah and, as a person and, and, and probably for her maybe she just hadn't had her coffee yet that day <laughs> or maybe she was just really tired or something had happened you know who knows why she was in a mood that day to say that thing to me <laughs> and she probably has no clue unless she listens to the podcast and i don't even know if she's still alive because <laughs> she was pretty old then it seems like um she you know she probably has no idea that it had that kind of impact but um and i've always been really envious of people who can draw and paint and think in an artistic way. 
Um, and, and I sort of feel like I lost a lot of time that I could have been trying some of those things. Yeah. All because yeah. of one bad morning in third grade <laughs> in 1979. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but people, yeah, people get, like, even though, like, they'll say, like, oh, I don't, like, care about art, I don't think about art, people have very, like, strong reactions uh-huh. to things. Like, it's always amazing to see that, like, no one, you, like, can't be indifferent to it for some reason. I don't know. Like, Yeah. I wish I could yeah. remember. So Josie was home. You know Josie. I know you don't. I, 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 you know, I know Josie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and most listeners probably have heard of her. She was home for spring break a couple weeks ago, and Lafayette just added this new sculpture thing downtown, and it's huge, and it's like two bodies facing away from each other, and it says, like, love and peace or something, and it's silver. Right. Have you seen it? I haven't. Okay. She <laughs> freaked out. <laughs> and I wish I could remember what she said, but there was a lot of stuff about... I don't know, ancient Greek gayness or something. <laughs> but it was really such a funny reaction because I had driven by that thing so many times by that point and had not that reaction. Like, I was like, oh, that's new. That's big. Okay. Yeah. That's happening. But she flipped <laughs> I wish I could yeah. remember. Anyway, trust me, it was funny. But that, that was supposed to exemplify your point of people having different reactions to art. Right. Yeah, I always enjoy being at, like, an art museum and being somewhere where there's, like, like minimal art or something, so there's, like, shiny boxes, uh-huh. like, on the ground or something, and it's really, it's really fun to see people, like, get really upset <laughs> and, like, really angry, and, you know, like, whether or not, like, it's good, but, like, it's just, like, so interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, so, so I, um... Like, when I see modern art, and I'm using that in the broadest, most layperson right. <laughs> sense of the, of the term. It's a broad term. It's anyway, a broad term, but, okay. Yeah. When, I, when I look at modern art, I don't always necessarily think it's attractive. Yeah. But I always admire that thought process of being able to create something just out of your head and with these materials that's going to confuse other people or make people think (laughs) or provoke thought or provoke reaction like that. And, um, so I, but then it also makes me think, I wonder if this is what it's like for some people who are looking at children's art and not knowing how to respond to it. Yeah. Um, Because it's not something obvious and we're not practiced in thinking that way, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's good to practice like letting yourself not know Mm. what something means. And maybe, like, even if you have, like, a reaction to, like, hold on to that and then just, like, keep thinking about it and, like, you know, like, I don't know. I guess it's hard to think, too, about, like, children's art. Like, like with something, like, more, like, modern or contemporary art, you can be like, oh, well, like, you know, there's reasons that, like, someone put this in a gallery. There's reasons that this, like, artist made it. They probably have, like, a whole process thought up. Uh-huh. But with children, it's harder because you know they they yeah. just they just did it right <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. is what was on the shelf today so this is what yeah and this is what was like in their brain yeah. today the dramatic and play area thing... was full so i had to go to art <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's another thing i think was interesting about uh other parts of that rothko uh-huh. book where he's talking about um how like the best way maybe to like teach 
young like children about art is to like notice things that they do that are like interesting and different and try to like facilitate that to keep happening rather than like you know trying to correct them because like uh-huh. you're only going to get in the way of what they're doing because you know like we're like by the time you're an adult you've seen so much stuff that's uh-huh. like the right or correct or the best art that you have right. like this built up idea of what it is and it's much harder to you know just kind of do things that are wrong. I think that's, like, yeah. the main thing, is that children can do things wrong, and they have no idea. And they and, don't care. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah, unless you tell them that it's wrong. Right. Or, like, they somehow find out that it's wrong. You make it rain on Jesus. <laughs> right. <laughs> then it's a problem. Yeah. Um, but I also think, it, like, he kind of gets in a little bit of, like, uh, like dangerous territory of kind of, like, overvaluing, like, the, like, purity or whatever of children you know like like oh like you know there's this the he, he seems, thing. yeah he yeah, seems to think that there's this like window the small window that like children have where they can make like they're like old enough to like make things but young enough to like not be encumbered by things and that there's uh-huh. like this like pure phase which uh-huh. i think is like not true at all yeah i, I mean like, i i kind of yeah get where he might be going with that because they because what what you just were talking about they don't have all these ideas that we already have and these i think thoughts about how it should be or insane standards we hold ourselves to right um speaking as a perfectionist who doesn't like to be a perfectionist (laughs) um uh so like maybe that's what he's going for but yeah i mean because i think that the like you know the entire time you're alive, you know, you're, like, taking in information, and it's, like, impossible not to have some sort of preconceived... Like, you have to know, like, if you have a crayon, you, like, by... Even if you've never seen one before, like, just the way it's designed Mm -hmm. and stuff, you know, like, it's very purposely made for you to do a specific thing. Like, that's already, like, cultural information that you're getting about how to use something. Like, there's no way to exists without having come into contact yeah. with like culture that's true so so what do you think about so here's another recommendation um from a couple different sources for early childhood programs they recommend having books with like famous paintings uh-huh. and pictures of famous works of art around your art area and i'm right. always i'm undecided how i feel about that yeah because it's kind of like, like we said, it's like, here's the correct. Yeah. Like, here's what you're supposed to strive for. Yeah. Yeah, so it puts, I, like, I, a boundary. I suppose the thinking might be, it gives them an idea of how to use the materials or use the colors yeah. or whatever. But I don't know. To me, it's too much like a try and do this, and if it doesn't look like this, you're bad at art. Yeah, because I think that they'll do something. They're not going to do nothing with it. Like. Yeah. They're not going to sit and be like, oh, I wish I knew what to do with this paint. <laughs> you know, like, they don't have that crisis that, right. like, adults have when they're like, I need to make something good. Yeah. It's they're, like, oh, this is fun, you Their know? paint crisis is when they paint a hole through the paper. <laughs> they have to figure out what to do next. Yeah. Yeah. But that was another thing I think I wanted to talk about was um, about, like, when... You had like when we started talking about doing this episode. You uh-huh. had one that was 
talking just about like I think it was the one that was not interrupting children while uh-huh. they're playing with Tiffany, about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And like a lot of the things you were talking about, I was thinking about for this. Cause mm-hmm. it was like, uh, you know, like I think that for everyone, art should be more like play, but like, especially for children, like yeah. there shouldn't be that much of a distinction between like, Oh, I'm playing with blocks or like, Oh, I'm playing with paint, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. shouldn't be, like, that different it's, of a... It's so hard, and I wonder if it's because... Hmm, I wonder if it's different, like, if a teacher has artistic tendencies, they can see the process a little bit differently, but it's uh-huh. it's just hard because we feel like we should we need to be teaching, and then we think, okay, so how do we teach about art? Okay, well, let's pop quiz them while they're painting, and let's <laughs> ask them about colors and, right. and shapes and what are you making. Um, yeah. And the kids, you can just, I, there's, there's, and I probably said this in that episode, there's nothing that I love, almost nothing that I love more than the look of disgust on a kid's face when an adult's trying to interrupt their process <laughs> or anything. And there's just like disdain and ignoring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've seen but it. I mean, it shouldn't be any different if they're playing than if they're like making art. Yeah. Like, they should not that much of a distinction yeah so like, one, oh go ahead as i say and like for them i feel like it can't be like unless except for like what we make of it you know like if we sit there and be like like they're playing with blocks and it's like okay it's time to put the blocks away then that says you know like oh these blocks are meant for playing with mm-hmm. they're like toys yeah that's all they are but then like they draw something on a piece of paper we treat it completely differently because we're like, oh, like it looks so great. I'm gonna put it up on the wall yeah, or the it's fridge. Because something or you whatever. can send home as proof. Right. That you did something that day. Yeah, um, and like that, like starts to ascribe value to yeah. like crayons and paint as something more valuable yeah, than, than like blocks. Yeah. Yeah, Lisa Murphy, who I'm sure you've heard about. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it was she. It was her that called. Uh, or, or child care art projects, uh, receipts for payment. Like sending that home to the family was yeah. the receipt for their ser- for the services <laughs> you were providing, proof that you were doing something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in in the notes that you had sent when we were planning this out, one of the uh-huh. things that you were thinking about was having a genuine reaction to children's art. Yeah, and I think that kind of fits in with this. So what what does that mean for you? I'm reading what I wrote, too. It was a while ago. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's about, like, a lot about what I was talking about earlier. Like, uh, you know, not, you know, like, not just having this reaction. Like, oh, it's so great. You, like, worked so hard on it. Like, Mommy will be so happy. Yeah, yeah. And, like, letting yourself, like, have, like, an actual reaction to it. And, like, you know, you can be like, oh, wow, this, like, reminds me of this. Or, like, Mm -hmm. makes me feel this. And, like, you know, what you do with, like, grown-up art where you can actually talk to them about it. Not just, like, add, like interrogate them about what they think it's about, but, like, you can tell them what you think it's, like, what you feel like it's about. But, like, not in a way where you're telling them what it's about. Right, yeah. You know, like, like oh, this makes me feel like yeah. it's this. So you're sort and of then, modeling the process of responding instead of quizzing. Yeah. So so I'm reading a book. You may have seen it on Facebook. I've only posted like 17 <laughs> quotes from it this week um, called The Great Disconnect in Early Childhood. Uh, yeah. What we, what we know versus what we do. And the, the big focus of the book is 
um, that we we dumb down the way we talk to children in the name of teaching instead of just having authentic conversations. And and one of the things the author talks about is teachers just talking about their own lives and their own reactions and their own memories. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about instead of what are you making? Tell me about your colors. It's, yeah. you know, oh, that reminds me of when I painted when I was little, you know, or that reminds yeah. me of a painting I saw at the museum last weekend or something like that. Yeah. Um, and just talking to them like humans instead of slipping into that teacher mode. Right. And, using- and then when you say like something like, oh, like that looks like really nice or like or it looks really pretty and they're like, oh no, actually it's supposed to be like super scary or something. <laughs> you like, you should like actually take them seriously uh-huh. and not like act like you know better than right. them about the thing they made. Right. Or, oh, yeah. don't say that about your picture. It's beautiful. <laughs> well, it's my yeah. picture. I'll say what it is. <laughs> uh, um, I'm looking at... Uh, so I think the only thing that we haven't hit on that you emailed me about is the the teacher's role in the creative stages of the child. So are these stages that he outlined in the book? Yeah. So I've got manipulative is the first stage. And then the period of natural uninhibited expression. And then self-consciousness and the beginning of learning. I just wanted you to tell yeah. me what that all meant. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. And if you don't want to, I'll just edit this part out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think we've kind of been hitting on these before. Where, you know, it's just about not getting in the way of what they're trying to do or, like, what they're tending to do. Maybe not, maybe trying is, like, too, like, intentful of a word. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just I thought because the first, so the first stage on the list is manipulative and in early childhood that word is used very differently. It's used uh-huh. either to describe a behavior you don't like about a child or <laughs> <laughs> or it's it's a label for a very specific kind of material you'd have in the classroom that builds fine motor skills like blocks mm-hmm. and or like little duplos and um uh, the bristle blocks and those kinds of things. Um but what I I I really sort of like this you talking about manipulating instead of exploring when we're talking about art materials in young children, like just letting them have that physical interaction with it. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Uh, so it, it sort of shifted my thinking a little bit. Not that exploring is wrong, but I just think man, thinking of it as manipulating the materials gives me a little bit different focus on it or th- thought process about it. Yeah. It's funny because I was thinking of manipulative as in like the teacher manipulating the child. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did Mark Rothko mean? <laughs> uh, it's hard to know. It's pretty <laughs> scattered notes here. <laughs> yeah, scribbled. Yeah. Um, so I don't. Hmm. You know, the other thing that comes up a lot, and I don't know what what you'll you know what kind of response you'll have to this, but I want to address it because I know that. It probably has popped into somebody's mind while they're listening. Um, Coloring pages in the classroom. Uh Like they just print pages of cartoon characters and stuff off and put that in the art area. Uh Um, And uh, so then the argument becomes, uh, well, that's so they can learn to control their, you know, 
coloring and stay in the right. lines. Or the argument is, well, they just really like it. Uh-huh. Um, but I think it's such a narrow experience. Not to say that we can't ever have anything in a classroom just because kids like it and it's fun, but it's not giving them any kind of depth, I don't think. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, it might like also depend on how you act with it, like yeah. how you respond to it. Because if you like print them out and then you somehow like are rewarding people who are coloring in the lines correctly more yeah. than people who aren't, yeah. then it becomes a thing. Yeah, I don't know. I've never... I feel like I was never that into coloring books. <laughs> I don't know. Um, um, yeah, but... Well, the whole adult coloring book trend has sort of intensified it because it now all the adults are getting back in touch with how much they liked coloring. Yeah. Or they want to color now, too, so they put those coloring pages out. Um, so I'm not... I guess I'm not saying if you've got coloring pages in your classroom you're harming children irreparably. But I am saying, make sure you got a lot of other stuff in there for them right. to play yeah. with. Um, or yeah. maybe only use those things for very specific and intentional times. But um, And the same thing with the Pinterest craft projects, with the final right. product. Um, what I hear is, well, they're learning about following directions, and they're uh-huh. learning about, okay, but don't call it art, and don't write it in the art space on your lesson planning form. <laughs> Yeah. Call it a fine motor activity or something like that where they're practicing, yeah. you know, their finger control. And that's what, like, they, <laughs> like, you learn fine motor skills when you're doing art, even if you're not, like, going after a very specific thing. Like, mm-hmm. if you're just, like, randomly drawing with a crayon, you're, like, still using your hand and learning how to use your hand mm-hmm. just as much as if you're, like, trying to draw very carefully. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, My favorite I'm, fine motor activity with crayons is watching them peel the paper off of the crayons. Because <laughs> if you want to see focus and, uh, and persistence with a task and uh, precise finger motion, watch a co- child hide in the corner <laughs> pulling the crayon wrappers off them. <laughs> There's the real value of crayons <laughs> in an early childhood classroom. And that's what, oh yeah, there's another thing inside of this quote about it being problem solving, which I think oh. is also very true. Uh-huh. It's, you know, even if you even if you don't know what their goals were, or if they don't know what their goals were, or, you know, they're still like encountering this basic problem of like, I have some sort of idea or feeling or like, attraction to a specific thing mm-hmm. and now I need to figure out how to use it. Yeah. You know, that's... Or I wonder what would happen if I did this. Yeah. It goes one way or the other and then you have to make another decision. I mean, that's all kind of in with problem solving too. Like, right. Even if it's just, I painted the same circle so much that now I don't have any paper left. I'm, I'm just painting <laughs> on the table underneath. <laughs> That presents a new problem, a new situation, a new opportunity that they then have to figure out what their idea is for the new situation. And I think we um, underappreciate the value of that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, Well, do you have any last thoughts, stuff you want to make sure you get in that we haven't gotten to? Um, 
I think that's all I had yeah. for this. Yeah. Well, I think it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we packed a lot into this. Yeah. Um, so I guess I just, uh, I, I would end with, you know, because I always try to bring it back to, you know, if, what's, what's one thing you could do right away? Because if you try to change everything because of one thing you heard, one training you went to or one podcast you heard... <laughs> it's probably not going to stick, but if you can just break it down and pick one thing you want to try next, um, I would start with look at your art shelf or your art area or whatever it is and and ask, you know, is there even paper in there? Cause sometimes there's not even paper that <laughs> hasn't been marked on. Do the markers work? Do they have um, uh, clay and Play-Doh and uh, three-dimensional materials to use for art? And um, so once you've done that, then your next step is how much freedom do I give them to really just dig in yeah, and try it out. Um, and I think the other thing, too, would be to think about how you treat, like, what a final art mm. object is. Mm-hmm. And, like, what are the things that maybe you didn't realize could also be some sort of art that you didn't think about before? Like what? I mean, like, we've been talking about blocks this whole time, for example. Like, you know, someone makes a stack of blocks, and just because it's not an art material doesn't mean it, like, isn't art, just because, like, Uh you have to clean it up, Uh you know? Or maybe, like, if you really want to have some sort of lasting thing, like, maybe you can take pictures of things, you know? Like, yeah, like, oh, like, that's a really cool thing you just did. Let's take a picture of it. Uh Or, yeah. Yeah, I think that's... That's important, too, to just think about, um, you know, it doesn't all have to fit in their cubby to go home at the end of the day. Yeah. To, to be to be art. It could be a sculpture that's more, you know, blocks and tubes and uh, yeah. three-dimensional kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, because of another reality of early childhood programs is most parents... They, you know, they like to see the art, but they don't want to take it all home <laughs> with them. Some, some will, but they don't want to take it all home with them. So if, if there's art projects or, or products that the children have made languishing in a cubby waiting, what can we do with them? Let's take yeah. them out and celebrate them at the center yeah, and not worry about whether mom took them home or whether dad even noticed they were there or <laughs> now there's 17 pictures of... Elsa (laughs) in this child's cubby. Um, So, yeah, I'm really glad I thought of that. That was a good idea, Heather. That was a good one. Good one. All right. Well, I think that's good. We're right about 45 minutes, and I keep saying I'm trying to keep the podcast to, like, 30 because everybody else's are, like, 20 or 30 minutes, and mine are always (laughs) 45 or more, but I haven't had one yet. (laughs) They are, they are, like, really well-timed for my commute. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's great. Well, as long as that one listener is having a need <laughs> met by the length of the podcast, we won't worry about it too much more. All right. Well, that's it then for this episode. Thanks, Patrick. Um, uh, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Glad <laughs> you were here again. I got to work on my my conclusions. They're not strong. I'll see you all again for another episode.
This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.